0: I'm Melinda Hemmelgarn, a registered dietitian and investigative nutritionist on a mission to connect the dots between food, health, and agriculture, and find food truth. And today, it is my pleasure to welcome my guest, Ms. Teresa Stahl. She is a fellow registered dietitian with a certification in mind-body medicine She is a supervisor with the Center for Mind-Body Medicine based in Washington, D.C., and she's the author of the book we're going to be talking about today titled, I'm Full, Remindful Eating, Tips to Feel Great and Make Peace with Your Plate. Welcome, Teresa.
1: Thank you so much, Melinda. It's a pleasure to be with you today.
0: Well, I am so pleased to be talking about your book because I think it's the right time of year. People are often assessing the year that has just passed and looking forward to a brighter future. And when it comes to resolutions, you even make clear in your book that the two top resolutions people make are, I want to get more exercise and I want to lose weight. And I think that your book and all of the tips that you provide are a wonderful place to start. You provide 52 tips, one for each week of the year. And I wanted to talk about how you came to write this book.
1: Well, thank you. I grew up in a home where food really was the central focus. I grew up loving food. My grandparents on my mom's side moved to the United States from Italy, and my grandmother made everything from bread to sauces, to meatballs, to all the pasta. Every Sunday, we stood around a big table and helped her form whatever pasta we were making. And my dad came to the United States from the Philippines and their culture is very rich in flavorful foods as well and lots of food. So both of my cultures were very food-focused. So I grew up really loving food. And I realized as I got into college and on my own that I had a habit of overeating. I ate until I was stuffed all the time because I had so much good food. And I never thought there was any other way to feel after a meal but stuffed. I remember tent dresses before sweatpants. <laughs> we had tent dresses And I remember loving to wear them when I went out to eat, so I did not have to feel the need to stop eating. So I always loved food, and I began to get more interested in health. And that's when it really came to light that my habits were not healthy.
0: Well, I love your book because you do take us on your own personal journey, But also you blend that with the experience of your many clients that you've seen. And there are many similarities. And I want to just start with the first one, which is I'm full butt. And I think this describes many of us, especially around holidays, where you're often in front of a big feast. And you know that there's only one time of year, really, when you get to enjoy these foods. So we typically eat beyond fullness and you talk about ways to navigate that tell me a little bit about how we should be thinking about the holidays and eating
1: well i definitely love the holiday food i love things that happen at the holidays that we do take more time to sit with family and friends and enjoy a meal. So I like to make the point that enjoying your food really is a top priority. I think dietitians have a bad reputation sometimes of being people who spoil the fun of food. <laughs> and right. I'm not like that at all.
0: <laughs> yeah, I agree. But,
1: but I think that the mindful eating, you know, being mindful is being in the present moment. It's eating with intention while paying attention, and I truly believe that that's a key to a healthy relationship with food, savoring the flavor and enjoying your food, and those principles apply to holiday eating as well. Savoring the special treats that you have maybe just once a year at the holidays is really important. I also think there's so many choices. If you begin eating something and you don't really like it, don't keep on eating it just to clean your plate. You know, stop and say, I don't want to take my time and energy and calories to eat that. I'm going to focus on the things that I really enjoy. So you want to select carefully, be discriminating about what you choose to eat, and then slow down and savor flavor, chew slowly. You know, we say only eat off your feet. And I love that because it helps you focus on where you are when you're eating. And if you're eating on the run, standing around eating, it can be very mindless. And it's almost like it didn't happen. You don't get the full enjoyment out of it. So sitting down to eat and taking mindful bites where you Savor the flavor, smell the food, look at the food, and maybe close your eyes a minute to really fully enjoy it.
0: Yeah. I want to talk about when we feel full. And during feast times, I think it's totally fine to overeat. Most people do, as long as it's not something that we do all the time. But I want to focus on something that happens when we are looking at resolutions and we're thinking, well, it's okay. We're going to overeat now. This is called the last supper thinking, as you described, because we're going to diet tomorrow. Talk to me about how that idea of dieting tomorrow ultimately fails us.
1: Sure. I'm a firm believer that external cues for eating are not successful in the long run. That Paying attention to internal cues is really the way to go. So a diet is really an external cue. You're following guidelines set forth by a diet down to the specific foods that you're choosing, and you're not looking within. You know, if you really focus on how a food makes you feel, You might be surprised that one food may not make you feel too well, or you may feel more tired. So it's good to use the internal cues rather than the external cues. I think the clean plate club that was so popular when we were growing up, that is again an external cue. So you eat until all the food is gone. And we want to be able to pay attention to how full are we feeling and Go by that instead. And if there's a little bit left, then we can save that to eat another time. I say we rename leftovers as saved overs because saving food over is really an investment and has many savings of time where you're cooking once and then eating it again, saving your energy, saving money because you're stretching your food dollar, saving calories. It's really a good idea to save things for the next time. And I think that's important too. Even with holiday meals, it's okay to take things home. If someone comes to my house and they're full, I'm more than glad to give them food to take with them and then they can enjoy it. We'll have other opportunities to eat, so saving it in the refrigerator, saving it in the freezer allows us to stretch our food dollars well.
0: I think that's such a great point. In fact, I brought up tip number 28 to talk with you about, which is referring to leftovers instead as saying they're saved overs because leftovers (laughs) has this stale connotation. But I remember when I was in college learning that old home economics tip where you cook once and eat twice, the idea of, yeah, there are going to be stressful times when we don't have time to cook. But if we have saved overs, or if we have extra food that we've frozen into entrees that we can just take out of our own freezer, that saves us a trip through the drive-through, and we'll end up eating better in the long run.
1: There's some people that don't like to eat the same food two times in a row, so we can freeze what's left. And for example, if you roast a chicken You can recreate a new dish. There's so many things you could do from a casserole to a soup to a salad.
0: Yeah, I think that that is really the key to eating well is when you're preparing your own food, you know what goes in it, and then you can just freeze portions for times when you don't have time to cook. I really like that you included as one of your tips, kitchen safety Because when people become ill because food has been mishandled, it can have long-term consequences. So you have great ideas for how to have a safe, clean kitchen and keep foods at a safe temperature. What do you want to bring forth from this tip about how do I keep food safe?
1: Well, it's important. We have what's called the danger zone, which is between 40 and 140. And we have to be mindful while thawing in the refrigerator versus on a counter so that that cold food stays good and cold and not letting food sit. That's one thing encouraging a lot of great conversation around the table. But if you leave food in the kitchen on the stove and you're talking and the talking goes on and you're over that two hour time period, if it's in the danger zone, then that's when the bacteria can multiply. So just being mindful to put the food away in the refrigerator. And even when you're traveling to visit people, just putting that food in a cooler so that it stays cold when you're traveling, especially if you're driving an hour or two, you want to be mindful about keeping cold food cold and hot food hot.
0: Right. And again, that danger zone is between 40 and 140 degrees. And you also provide, in addition to your tips, you have resources and reading. And because the holidays are upon us, I do want to let people know about www.foodsafety.gov. And there's a backslash keep food safe food keeper app. But I often wonder how many people say they have a flu when really they've got food poisoning related to the improper handling of food. I think it's something we take for granted.
1: I agree with you.
0: Well, we're halfway through, and I want to remind our listeners that if you are just joining us, you're tuned into Food Sleuth Radio. We are speaking with Ms. Teresa Stahl. She is a fellow registered dietitian, and she is the author of the book we're talking about today called I'm Full, Remindful Eating tips to feel great and make peace with your plate. There are 52 tips, one for each week of the year. And along with those tips, we have an inspirational quote to get us thinking as well as resources. I want to back up and ask you, how did you organize these tips?
1: Well, I started writing the book many years ago, and it was really a chapter book. And so I was used to thinking in tips, but I saw the themes developing of hunger, fullness, and mindful eating and eating skills so that people have skill power instead of needing willpower. And then the mind-body medicine tips to manage stress and improve mood because so many people turn to food as the way to manage stress. And when we eat for emotional hunger. It is not satisfying. It never satisfies. And I think that it's really important to develop other skills that you can use to help manage stress instead of eating.
0: Yeah. And these are such stressful times between the pandemic and politics and the divisiveness in our country. I think that we've lost connections with each other There's a quote in your book about how the sharing of food is the basis of social life. But what's happened is that with COVID, we've lost so many of those opportunities to get together socially, safely. And so I think that the stress component of your tips is extremely important right now. What do you suggest on ways that people can deal with stress rather than going to the refrigerator?
1: One of the most simple ways is deep breathing. It's incredibly simple, but the research showing how it can lower blood pressure, help with blood sugar control, even how we respond to people. So maybe even preventing arguments because we have an autonomic nervous system that we thought at one time was automatic, like beating of our heart or our digestive system, but research has shown that it can be controlled. We can exert some control over that. And the autonomic nervous system is sympathetic and parasympathetic. And the parasympathetic is the rest and digest brake pedal. The sympathetic is the gas pedal fight or flight. So what happens in these really stressful times is our fight or flight is predominating and so we're having adrenaline and cortisol at unhealthy levels it's not a temporary rise for a single occasion it becomes drawn out and over time can really impact health in a very negative way with heart disease and diabetes and Autoimmune issues. And so we want to learn ways to activate our parasympathetic brake pedal to bring our bodies into balance. And that is our rest and digest system. So, deep breathing is one of the easiest ways to activate our parasympathetic nervous system, stimulate our vagus nerve, which was getting a lot of press through the pandemic. Because things that stimulate the vagus nerve actually help with long COVID symptoms. And so deep breathing was number one on the list in many research articles that I saw studying long COVID. Just breathing in slowly and deeply in through your nose and then exhaling fully out through your mouth and practicing that in the morning, in the afternoon, in the evening. Because we breathe very shallowly, and it doesn't get the oxygen as deeply into our system. And then things like movement, not just burning a lot of calories by moving, but just really enjoying movement and getting out and going for a walk. There was just research about how a simple walk two to 10 minutes after a meal can positively influence the blood sugar levels. So a lot of times we think it has to be a really long hike, but any movement is really beneficial for increasing those feel-good chemicals. We think of the endorphins and serotonin. And interestingly, one of the hormones that is influenced by Stimulating the vagus nerve and activating our parasympathetic nervous system is oxytocin. So, when you talk about the connection, that is the hormone that is the connecting hormone. We think of it a lot with breastfeeding babies, but we all still have that and it helps us want to connect with other people.
0: Right. Well, I think too, one of the other challenges and stressful components of holiday time is that we tend to be around relatives who might have differing political opinions. So you have in tip 18, finding common ground. And you've got a James Beard quote, food is our common ground, our universal experience. But I think that it's really good advice in terms of avoiding stressful situations rather than focusing on our differences, to focus on something that we can agree on, finding that common ground.
1: I totally agree with you. And even bringing up the movement again with holiday meals, getting out with your family members and going for a walk, something that you can do that will increase that connection with one another. And playing games can sometimes be a lot of fun, Any kind of the arts, arts and movement, drama, charades, those kind of games, they really activate our parasympathetic nervous system and help us manage stress better.
0: Yeah, I love that. Are there tips in here? And of course, there are 52. We can't get through all of them. Are there ones that you feel extremely passionate about that you want to make sure you share with our listeners?
1: I guess I could say nourishing oneself. We didn't talk about this yet, but I think this is so important that we don't just think about eating as satisfying our hunger. So a lot of my clients and class participants eat what's available at the moment because they're hungry and they're eating to satisfy hunger. So I like to point out that there's over 40 essential nutrients that we need every day to feel our best, look our best, move our best, think our best. And we want to be mindful about what we're choosing. And nutrient-rich foods are really the way to go. And when I say nutrient rich, it's having a lot of nutrition without a lot of added sugar, fat, salt, and then limiting ultra processed foods. When we think of ultra processed, not only the added sugar, fat, and salt, but chemicals, preservatives, and colors. We want to eat minimally processed foods in their whole state to get the best nourishment.
0: Hmm. Yeah, I am flabbergasted. I think there was some research out this year, 2022, looking at what percentage of our calories come from ultra processed foods. And of course, these are the cheap foods that are readily available. They're the things that hit you when you first walk into the supermarket. They're the chips and the sodas. And we think that they are cheap, but really when you consider the health consequences, they're extremely expensive. And so I'm glad you brought up that idea of stopping before we purchase something, being mindful there too, and saying, is this going to nourish my body? And if not, then taking a turn because going into a supermarket is just a, it's an experiment in mind control. You know, you're just, (laughs) you're faced with all of these foods that aren't in our best interests. Right. Well, I want to talk about resolutions because they are top of mind this time of year. You have a great quote. You say a goal without a plan is just a wish. And you talk about making smart plans. And I wonder if you could explain to us what a good New Year's resolution, in other words, one that will stick. What are the features of those?
1: Well, when we talk about smarter goals, we want them to be specific and measurable and attainable and reasonable and time sensitive and we want to evaluate them and maybe have some rewards for ourselves when we're able to complete those. But for example, as you mentioned at the beginning of the show, the number one resolutions are to eat healthier and exercise more, but those don't really have the elements of a SMART goal because they're very wide open. So One thing that I encourage people to do is at least eat half of your plate, vegetables and or fruits. That's a simple goal, and I think that's a great place to start. We have data from the CDC that tells us that only one out of 10 people get the recommended number of servings of vegetables and fruit every day. That means 90% aren't eating enough. And so I know from interviewing so many people that that comes to what you mentioned about planning and purchasing so that we have those handy. So I think that's a great goal. Maybe a salad. Have a salad every day, whether it's lunch or dinner. That's a way to get a cup or two cups of vegetables in. That's something that's measurable. You can keep track of that. and. For exercise, I think maybe taking a class or saying I'll walk. The recommendations for exercise is 150 minutes a week or just a little over 20 minutes a day. So getting out and setting a goal, maybe five days a week for a half an hour, and it can be broken up into 10 minute increments. It doesn't have to be all at once, but having it be specific, something that you can measure and something that's reasonable for you.
0: Right. You've met with many clients. What are some of the biggest and best lessons you've gotten from them?
1: Probably the importance of enjoying food. You know, one of the things that people have a lot of fear around, if I eat healthy, I won't enjoy my food. I won't be able to have things that I like. And I often say, there's nothing that you can never have. It's how frequently you eat it or how much of it you eat. So I think that I've learned from them that if they're able to fit in their favorite foods that might not be the healthiest foods, then they can live with and enjoy the healthier foods more when they think it has to be all healthy foods only and none of their maybe favorite treats that's so disappointing and that makes it impossible to follow. But healthy eating is something we need to live with. And I think they've taught me over the years how to frame being able to enjoy your foods in moderation and still eat well so that you feel your best.
0: You've got so many good tips in here. I wanted to focus on one, and that is, It's okay to say no, and in fact, it's important to be able to say no when we feel like we are so stressed. You have a quote from Mary Poppins, and I think I'll end with that. You write, enough is as good as a feast. What do you think Mary Poppins meant by that?
1: I think that she meant being satisfied is as good as having everything that you might think that you need. And I do apply it to food as well as other things in life. I think consumerism, for example, always wanting more. I love that Mary Poppins brings that focus to having enough is as good as a feast. And that goes for food as well as in general in life.
0: Yeah. And I think that's a really important message when we're so pressured to keep buying more or never being good enough or satisfied enough unless we have more, more, more. So I think that's a wonderful way to end our conversation. Is there anything else that you want to leave our listeners with?
1: Thank you so much, Melinda. I think that I would encourage people to connect with me. I have a website, remindfuleating.com. People can sign up for a 15-minute free conversation with me. And I have a free email newsletter that I write once a month that has seasonal recipes. This past month, I had an apple and cabbage slaw recipe. So I'm really a firm believer in eating locally, gardening yourself, even if it's in a pot so that you have your own fresh food and eating seasonally to get the most flavorful food.
0: Those are great tips. We've got to close because we're out of time, but I want to thank our listeners for joining us. Remind everyone that Food Sleuth Radio is produced by Dan Hemmelgarn for KOPN in Columbia, Missouri. But most of all, I want to thank my guest, Teresa Stahl. She is a fellow registered dietitian with a certification in mind-body medicine, and she's the author of the book that we've been diving into titled, I'm Full, Remindful Eating, Tips to Feel Great and Make Peace with Your Plate. Thank you so much for your time today, Teresa.
1: Thank you so much, Melinda.